Well, praise his name. He is absolutely, absolutely amazing. John chapter, excuse me, Joshua chapter 10 this morning. Joshua chapter 10. Warren Wearsby, who I have referenced a number of times already uh, in this series, and actually will quote again this morning, cited these observations about mistakes. A dentist's mistake is pulled out. A lawyer's mistake is imprisoned. A teacher's mistake is failed. A printer's mistake is corrected. A pharmacist's mistake is buried. A postman's mistake is forwarded. And an electrician's mistake could be shocking. He then quoted Joseph Conrad, who's a novelist, who wrote this. It's only those who do nothing that make no mistakes. It's only those who do nothing that make no mistakes. As we come to the 10th chapter of Joshua, I would remind you this morning that it's not what Joshua did that has created the problems in his life and in the nation of Israel at this point. But it's what he didn't do. He didn't pray. He didn't ask counsel at the mouth of the Lord. Now, if you remember, Joshua and the men of Israel were approached by a group of men who were posing as travelers from a far, far country. But in reality, they were their neighbors. They were from Gibeon. And we know from our study that Gibeon was 30 miles away from Gilgal at the most. But the way these men had dressed in their their ragged robes and their worn out shoes and they were were just disheveled and, and all a mess. Even their food was cold and moldy. The way they dressed, the way they presented themselves made their story believable. And in the end... Israel was deceived. And the result of the Gibeonite deception was an unbiblical alliance between them and Israel. Last week we talked about what happens when a nation is deceived. And I'll not attempt to re-preach that message today. But I do want to reference something that I said at the close and just touched on very briefly, and it was this. Israel turned back to the way of truth by admitting where they went wrong 
and taking responsibility for their actions. And with the Lord's help, that's where I want to pick up with this message. Now, here's the deal. Every one of us has made some ill-advised decisions that have not only affected us adversely, but they have also affected others around us in the same way. But listen to me today. We do not have to let those bad decisions keep us from going forward for the Lord. No, no, we can continue to gain ground in our walk with God. Even though we've messed up or dropped the ball or however you want to say it, we can still go on for God. And I believe this 10th chapter of Joshua holds some valuable truths that can help us. So if you have your Bible open, let's begin reading in verse 1. Now it came to pass when Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jerusalem and her king, so he had done to Ai and her king, and how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly. Because Gibeon was a great city and one of the royal cities and because it was greater than Ai and all the men thereof were mighty. Wherefore Adonizedek, king of Jerusalem, sent unto Hoham, king of Hebron, and unto Piram, king of Jarmuth, and unto Jephiah, king of Lachish, and unto Deber, king of Eden, or excuse me, Eglon. And here's what he said, come up unto me and help me that we may smite Gibeon, for it hath made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered themselves together and went up, they and all their host, and encamped before Gibeon, and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent unto Joshua to the camp of Gilgal, saying, Slack not thy hand from thy servants. Come up to us quickly, and save us, and help us. For all the kings of the Amorites that dwell in the mountains are gathered together against us. Verse 7, so Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. Joshua therefore came unto them suddenly and went up from Gilgal all night. And the Lord discomfited them before Israel. And slew them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, and chased them along the way that goeth up to Beth Horon, and smote them to Ezekah and to Makeda. And it came to pass as they fled from before Israel and were 
in the going down to Beth Horon, that the Lord cast down great stones from heaven upon them unto Ezekiel, and they died. They were more which died with hailstones than they whom the children of Israel slew with the sword. Verse 12, then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and said in the sight of Israel, Son, stand thou still upon Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Azuron. And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Joshua? Let me stop there for just a moment, because a few weeks ago I was approached by one of our men who had been asked a question, and he didn't know the answer, and so he posed the question to me, and the question was about other books, like the book of Jasher, that is referenced here in verse 13, books that are mentioned in the Bible but are not included in the Bible. And I believe what is true of the book of Jasher is true of those books as well. They were real books, but they were not inspired scripture. And various biblical authors referenced those books in passing because they were known by the readers of their day. And like the book of Jasher, they had no special meaning or value for Christians. So yes, they were real books. Like I referenced the, the commentary a moment ago by Warren Wiersbe, it's a real book, but it's not inspired scripture. And so was the book of Jasher and, and other books. You okay? You with me? All right, back to verse 13. So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there was no day like that before it or after it, that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. Then jump over to verse 40 real quick. So Joshua smote all the country of the hills and of the south and of the vale and of the springs and all their kings. He left none remaining, but utterly destroyed all that breathed, as the Lord God of Israel commanded. And Joshua smote them from Kadesh Barnea, even unto Gaza, and all the country of Goshen, even unto Gibeon. And all these kings and their land did Joshua take at one time, because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. And Joshua returned, and all Israel with him, unto the camp of Gilgal. So how can we recover from our mistakes? The first thing I would present to you this morning is simply this. Learn to take responsibility for your actions. Learn to own it. Since the Garden of Eden... Men and women have struggled with taking responsibilities for their actions. When confronted with his sin, Adam said what? He said, it's her fault. He pointed at Eve. 
when Eve was called into account, she said what? It's his fault, pointing at the serpent. Isn't it so much easier to blame others than it is to take responsibility ourselves for our own actions? Sure it is. I mean, it's much easier to just walk away and let others deal with the fallout of our wrong choices than it is to stay there and stand up and take responsibility. When the Gibeonites were attacked by the five-city confederation to the south of them, they immediately summoned for help from Joshua in verse 6. And Joshua did not hesitate to help them in verse 7. You know why? Because he was owning up to his mistake. He knew that it was his responsibility to defend them. Joshua knew that it was his failure to pray and his failure to seek the Lord's direction that led them into making this this unwise league, is, is the word the Bible uses, this covenant, this promise with the nation, uh, uh, with the people of, of, of Gibeon, and it was for life. And he could not shirk his responsibility and be right with God. They could not move forward without taking responsibility for the past in their present situation. Let me say that again. They could not move forward, talking about the nation of Israel, they were, they were in Canaan because that was the land God promised them. But they could not move forward without taking responsibility for their past in their present situation. And I like the example that Joshua set when he refused to skirt the issue or shirk his responsibility or make excuses or justify himself. He didn't do any of that. Instead, he owned it. All of it. Now, let's not be too hard on our brother Joshua. And let's be honest about ourselves for a little while this morning. Because as I've already said, we've all made bad decisions. Amen. And we're all gifted. All gifted at making a mess of things from time to time. Because sometimes we fail to pray. Then there are times when we get impatient. And then there are times when we respond impulsively or we speak without thinking. Am I, am I okay here? All right. And when we do those things, it makes for a very long road ahead. It was a long road for Joshua and the Israelites. Verse 7 says that they ascended from Gilgal. Now, as I pointed out many times already, as we've covered the last couple of chapters, their journey would have only been 30 miles or less, which in that day really would not have been that big a deal because they walked everywhere. But it was not just a walk. This was a journey over some very rugged terrain, and the ascent would have been about 4,000 feet. Beyond that, they didn't get to sleep that night because the Bible says that Joshua came to them suddenly. 
So it's not like he gathered the men and said, all right, guys, you need to get a good, get a good night's rest because we're taking off first thing in the morning. No, no, it was like, hey, get up, let's go. We got to go like right now. Well, what? A, no, 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 you don't understand. We've got to go right now. But Joshua, it's nighttime. Come on, we got to go. And so they make this journey over this rugged terrain, ascending 4,000 feet at night, no less. And then once they got there, they had to be ready to go to battle right then because the battle was already going on. These kings had already come together. They are already fighting against Gibeon. And so they knew that they had a, had a long battle ahead of them, but they had no idea how long. Now check this out. Not only did Joshua lead them throughout the night, but he had the audacity to pray and ask God to give them an extension of daylight the following day. Which meant they fought through the next night, which was now day. And all that to say yet again, taking ownership of our poor choices, it can make for a very long and difficult journey. Restoring trust in a marriage can be a long journey. Young people earning your parents' trust again because you've blown it can be a very long journey. Getting out of debt can be a long journey. Recovering from an addiction can be a long journey. Battling temptation can be a long journey. The journey to forgiveness and healing can be very, very long. So yes, you may have a long road ahead of you, and you may get weary, and you may get frustrated, and you may get discouraged, and you may be disappointed in yourself or in others, and there may be some sleepless nights, and there may be some tear-stained pillows, and there may be some long, loud discussions, but listen to me this morning, you do not walk alone. You have help from the Lord above you. You have the Holy Spirit within you. You have his power to help you make that long journey that you must make if you're going to take responsibility for your actions. So the first thing I would say to you this morning is you need to learn to take responsibility for your choices. But I want you to go back to verse 7. I just want to point this out. It really doesn't had a lot to do with this particular point, but it really stood out to me in light of some other things that we've read. So Joshua, look at it, verse 7. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he, and watch this, and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. I looked at that this week, and I said to myself, that is so commendable. And I'll tell you why. Because some of those men, back in chapter 9, if you will remember, some of those men disagreed with Joshua's decision to make a league with the Gibeonites. But at the end of the day, look what they did. They got over it. Preacher, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. You may not always like the decisions made by the leaders in your life. 
But instead of letting that bother you and cause you to become critical and standoffish and negative, maybe you just need to get over it. All right? Maybe you just need to get over it. Saddle up. Get to Gibeon. I'm done. Well, not done, done. Just done there. Some of you are going, yeah. No. Here's the second thing. <laughs> Anticipate resistance. Adonizedek understood that if something wasn't done about the union of the Gibeonites with the Israelites, that it would spell doom for Jerusalem and for all the cities to the south. So here's the deal. The enemy's security was threatened by the, the advance of God's people. And so it is as New Testament believers, when God's people make progress, they can expect a counterattack from their enemy, the devil. John Butler said this, Satan does not sit idly by while the forces of good increase against him. Any inroad that God's people make against him, he will quickly try to counter. And I preached a, on that at length a couple of weeks ago, so I'll not belabor the point, only to say this, do not be caught off guard. Don't be surprised when your journey back to responsible living is met with opposition. The next thing I'd encourage you to do in your attempt to recover from a bad choice is this. Refuse to live in the shadows of past failures. I said I was going to quote Warren Wiersbe again. Here it is. God can take our, even our blunders and turn them to blessings. Amen. That's called God's grace. It's called God's mercy. It's called God's love. He can take even our blunders and turn them into blessings. But he gives us this caution. This isn't an excuse for carelessness. In other words, just don't go out and do your own thing and know if you mess up, God's going to take care of it. He can. But there's no guarantee that he will. So be careful. He didn't say that, God. He didn't say God can take our blunders and turn them into blessings so we could be careless. He said it because it is a great encouragement that when you have failed the Lord and his people, he can do that. Joshua was confident the Lord could take his poor decision and turn it around for God's glory and for his good. There may be someone here this morning who needs to turn the lights out on their pity party and quit believing that God is through with you and that you can never recover and that you are destined for a life of defeat and step out of the shadows of past failure and into the light of God's grace and forgiveness and get back in the fight and take God at his word. That's the next step. You want to recover from your mistakes? Take God at his word. Look what God said to Joshua in verse 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not, for I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. And with that, Joshua got up, and he got his men, and he said, Let's go. 
Now, this is not the first time that Joshua had heard God speak in this manner. I'm making a point. Stay with me. All the way back to the very beginning of his time as the new leader of God's people, God had already said this to Joshua chapters ago. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto his people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. That was months and months, maybe years ago. And so what God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter 10 and verse 8 was not new truth. It was the same truth that he had already spoken previously. Now here's what I want us to understand this morning. I mean, people run everywhere. They run to this conference and this seminar and this book and this podcast trying to find some new truth for their situation. Listen to me this morning. There is no new truth. There is only old truth applied in a new and fresh way to our situation. So forget the books and get into this book. If it's true, it's not new. If it's new, it's not true. get that if it's true it's not new spoken ages ago and if it is new it's not true because this canon is this closed so just just get in this book and find you a promise that applies to your present situation and claim it and believe it, and pray it, and be convinced that when God says He will, He will. And when God says you can, you can. And when He says the enemy won't, it won't. You can bank on it. Take God at His word, and finally, do what you can, and then let God do what he can. This is one of the greatest lessons I think that we can take away from this story because Joshua did what he could do. He took responsibility for his bad decision. He refused to live in the shadows of his past failure. He took God at his word. He got his men together. They went to battle against the enemy. I mean, he was doing everything possible that he could do. And when Joshua and his men had the enemy on the run, then God opened up the skies and rained down great stones from heaven, it says. And more were killed in the hailstorm than were killed by the sword. So listen, when you've done everything in your situation that you can do, as limited as it may be, then God will honor that and will do the things that you can't do, but not before. For example, if you're in debt because of some bad financial choices, don't just sit around and pray and ask God to dump a boatload of money on you. There are some things that you can do 
For example, you can start honoring God in your giving. No, for you don't understand, I'm in debt. No, I understand you're in debt, and if you want to get out of debt, then start honoring God financially. I don't have time to harp on that, but it's Bible truth. Start honoring God in your giving. You can stop eating out. It gets worse. You can get rid of cable TV. It gets worse. You can cancel your internet service. Ah! We got EMTs here. We got a medical bag in the back. We're good. It's even got paddles. So Bradley, just be on the alert, okay? I'm dropping some bombshells here. No, seriously, here's the deal. There are some things you can do. You got yourself into that mess. Don't expect God to bail you out all on his own. No, no, brother. There are some things that you can do on your own. And then here's what I'm saying. When you do what you can do, that's when God steps in and does what only he can do. You see, when you do what you can do, that's when things like raises and refunds start to happen. Uh, that's when your car that, that's been on its last leg for weeks now or months now just keeps on going. And when your kids who normally get sick during this, this time of the year, <laughs> miraculously, they don't get sick. Why? Because you're doing what you can do. And when you've done what you can do, just like he did in the life of Joshua, then God's going to step in and do what you can't do. Joshua had Adonijah and the others on the run. And even though it was growing dark, he knew that they, they couldn't stop chasing them. They, they couldn't stop pursuing them uh, because... If they did, then the enemy was going to have an opportunity to regroup. And so he does the one other thing that he could do. He prayed. He asked God, check this out. He asked God for more daylight. Pre-daylight savings time. God, give us more sunlight. And check this out. God did. I'm getting into all of this, but he slowed the rotation of the earth just enough to give Joshua and his men the additional daylight that they needed to finish their task. Now listen to me. Listen to me. If God, if God has the power to slow down the rotation of the earth to provide more daylight, then pray, tell me, what could you possibly bring to him this morning that would be too much? What could you possibly pray and ask God to do that would be too big or too hard or too complicated or too messy or too impossible? Now, I, don't know, I know you don't want to talk in church, so let me just answer it for you. Nothing. Are you with me? Nothing. And given the greatness of God 
and his willingness to hear and answer prayer, we ought to be rebuked because of our prayerlessness. And we ought to be rebuked because of our lack of faith in prayer. God, deliver us this morning from our weak and feeble form of praying. And help us to pray with boldness in the heat of our spiritual battle. Because it's when we pray, and I mean really pray, that our lost friends and family can be saved. Come on now, it's when we pray, and I mean really pray, that broken marriages can be mended. It's when we pray, and I mean really, really pray, that wayward sons and daughters can be restored, and the sick can be healed, and the hardest of hearts can be melted. When we pray, and I mean really pray, is when families that have been torn apart can be put back together. Listen, church, it's when we pray, and I mean really pray, that addictions can, that have been so enslaving for so long can be broken. Listen, even Supreme Court decisions can be overturned when we pray. I mean, really pray. None of this little feeble, weak, five-minute stuff. I mean, getting before God and pouring our heart out to God and praying His Word back to Him and believing that God can do what we can't do. We can do a lot of things. To recover from our mistakes. And we ought to do everything we can do. But in the midst of all the doing, let's not forget to pray. I don't know how you came here today. I don't know all the burdens that you're bearing. I don't know what poor choices you've made and the ramifications that you're having to deal with. I don't know how close you are this morning to giving up. But here's what I do know. I know that the God we sung about and the God I just preached about is the same God in 2019 that he was in the days of Joshua who made the sun stand still. And I know he still answers prayer. And I know there's nothing, listen, there's nothing you can bring to him right now. I mean, right now today that he can't handle. Regardless of what you're dealing with today, whether it's of your own making or whether you're having to deal with the consequences of somebody else's choices, there is hope in God. Would you pray with me?